Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you? I am so happy that spring is finally here. How about you? It's amazing. It's a new beginning. It is. And I love seeing all this sunshine. You've used the word practice in so many of our conversations and also frequently used the phrase life as a practice as something we should aspire to. Dr. Jane, let's explore more deeply what this means and how we can integrate it into our lives. Sure, Anna. You know, practice is the actual application or use of an idea or a method um, as opposed to theory or um, a concept of something. So the analogy that I so often use is about, we can read about riding a bike, okay? And this is the cognitive conceptual process. This is the intellectual gathering of information, but it is not the same as riding a bike, which is getting on the bike, sitting on the seat, pushing the pedals. This is the process of practice, the actual doing of it. So practice is a doing activity, and it also involves repetition of that activity, hopefully so that we can become more proficient at whatever it is that we're practicing. So we've talked about practice and we've talked about repetition, particularly around making conscious choices and that this is a necessary component if we want to reprogram and rewire the brain. So it's doing it once as a start, but the real impact is doing it repeatedly. That's what we want, you know, and the practices that we've been promoting um, in all of our conversations really have to do with taking care of ourselves, um, about increasing our awareness of what's happening in the moment, discerning what we have control over, um, strengthening and balancing our energies is another practice that we've introduced. Also holding steady in uncomfortable situations and quieting our reactive minds, really being able to settle and quiet that reactivity so that we can make healthy, conscious choices. You know, and we've provided many suggestions. These are really the prompts for regular practice. You know, so to get it, you really must do it. That's the key. So we no longer are just collecting information. We're stepping into the experience. That's exactly right, Anna. And, and for me, it's all well and good uh, to gather information and gather data. But what's the point if we're not going to utilize it. And I have to say, I've been guilty of this in many points of my life where I've gathered information, maybe buying that new self-help book or attending a workshop and really not using the information to improve or benefit my life in any way. So if you remember, we talked about a quote, knowing and not doing is not knowing. And the practice is the doing and it takes the knowing to a much deeper level, the level of what I call direct experience. And direct experience is more than intellectual knowing. It's, it's really a mind-body experience that allows for a deeper integration of the knowing. And in this, um, we're, we're using our awareness and deliberately practicing in this present moment awareness without any judgment. So this knowing really impacts us on multiple levels, all, all, often simultaneously, um, mental, emotional, physical, uh, spiritual, relational. Uh, 
this is where the doing of the practice really becomes the being of the practice. So it's, it really moves us much more deeply into this integrative process and knowing something on a much deeper level, mind-body. So why is it that we so often resist this lovely opportunity to deepen into our experience of ourselves? Well, there are a myriad of reasons, but the one that I run into most often is um, I don't have enough time. Um, I really enjoyed it, or I liked it, or I tried to keep it up, but there just wasn't enough time. And often this has everything to do with the fact that all of us are so doggone busy. You know, we're, we're achieving and we're we've, you know, collecting our accomplishments and we're being very, very productive. Um, and oftentimes we kind of categorize self-care as a luxury in, instead of an essential, you know, and that usually lasts until we have some kind of a personal crisis, maybe a health crisis. And then all of a sudden we're, we're more open to it or are at least willing to incorporate it to some extent into our lives. So there are two things that we might want to consider if we want to extract ourselves from this particular excuse um, of it not being enough time. You know, the first thing is we have to make self-care and our practices a priority. Um, our health, our well-being, we need to treat it like our life depended on it. And, and very often it does. So it's not about I don't have time. It's about I make time. And the second piece is I need to guard this priority of self-care and my practices with the commitment and, and real integrity. Kind of, I'm giving my word. So if you'd ask me, did you practice today, Jane? I'd say, oh, Anna, of course I did. I gave my word. I know I can relate to all of what you're saying. And, and sometimes we recognize the value, but procrastinate and just never do get to it, you know? Well, and there's that word again, procrastination. You know, we've, we've mentioned it before and it comes to us in a myriad of, of disguises. Very often behind procrastination can be anything like um, fear or reluctance to move out of our comfort zone of feelings of incompetence, uh, apathy. You know, sometimes I just flat out don't wanna. I don't wanna do it. And and so our, our job here, our task here is to turn toward those resistances, you know, and to ask ourselves, what's the real issue here? You know, do I know how much this is costing me, you know, not to take care of myself? You know, and and then it's also about, you know, what what keeps me from the practices that I know to do that really support my health and my whole uh, wholeness, keep me you know vibrant and can also you know make a real big impact in changing my life. So another issue that tends to interfere with um, uh, practicing regularly has to do with when I do have some downtime or some free mental time, and so often we use this as as catch up time. Or, and that's ketchup as I'm catching up on tasks, not ketchup in the bottle, um, <laughs> ketchup tasks, or I kind of want to check out, you know? So if I'm, if I'm catching up, I might be answering emails or texts. And if I'm checking out, it might, I might be turning to entertainment um, just to kind of zone out things like TV or video games 
or uh, movies or, or something like that. You know, it can be part of a, a continued busyness or it can be a distraction or sometimes it can even kind of work into an addictive process, you know, and I don't want, I don't want to condemn leisure time activities. I think they're lovely and I think it's an absolute essential for balancing our lives, but I not to the exclusion of self-care. The bottom line is if we use an excuse or a justification that keeps us from being healthy, that keeps us from our own well-being or from our best selves, we're probably telling ourselves a lie. Yes, that is that. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure that everyone that's listening right now can, you know, kind of see this in themselves at times when we try to justify, okay, we've got time to do this, but oh, I'd rather do that. You know, we always make up these excuses. (laughs) Uh, And so I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Dr. Jane, let's talk about the types of practices that we're that there there are that we can. Yes. Well, you know, every quieting technique and every energy technique um, in our YouTube and podcast library, you know, is a potential practice. All of those techniques can potentially be practices that we do regularly. You know, each targets a different uh, body, mind, soul, energy matrix dimension. And for instance, the, the quieting techniques really are specific to settling our physiology, kind of stepping off that train of the autopilot thinking and reactivity and um, allows us to move away from that survival, fight flight um, uh, reactivity that we can so often get into and really keep us on that path to use our more sophisticated evolved brain, the cortex and the prefrontal cortex. so this is where in using that part of our brain, that, that, that more sophisticated part of our brain, we're actually able to operate out of healthier modes of, of thinking and feeling and, and behaving. And this enables us to make the healthy conscious choices that we've talked so often about that rewire the brain. And the energy techniques that we've been talking about um, are so important to keep the multidimensional energy matrix that we each operate out of strong and balanced and flowing, you know, and practicing these techniques can really help us really step out of that stranglehold of negative reactivity, negative thinking and feelings. And along with that, our energy is renewed and we feel more balanced. It nourishes the organ systems. So it's really promoting health and wholeness in that whole body mind integrative way the techniques target different issues and each require different amounts of time you know i'm curious as to how to make best use of those tools or i should say these tools sure sure well you know all the techniques that we've offered are fairly short um so the key is often to um create a routine by beginning with one or two techniques and weave them into our current daily schedule. So for instance, we've talked about the techniques that really together, there are about six of them, um, that together offer us a daily routine to balance and strengthen the energy system in the energy matrix. You know, things like the three thumps, 
the Wayne Cook or the modified Wayne Cook, you know, the cross crawl, um, the crown pull, and that zip up and hook up. All of those are less than a minute to do. So one of the things we can do for a regular practice is start with one. Start, for instance, with the, with the three thumps and do it for five to seven days, right? Do it for five to seven days and then incorporate another practice. Maybe we would go to that modified Wayne Cook where we would cross our, our wrists and we'd cross our ankle, ankles and take three nice easy breaths and then cross in the opposite direction, three nice easy breaths and go to our go to our final pose of the fingers together, either at the forehead, the heart, or the navel. So we can start small. We can integrate into what we're already doing. Um, and once we have all six of those that we've practiced, when we put them together, it'll be less than five minutes. So these techniques don't have to be done in one sitting. You know, for myself, I very often, in the course of just getting ready for the day, I will do all of them. Okay. So I'm getting out of, of bed and I'm doing my, the three thumps or I'm waiting for the water to boil for my tea. And I'm, I'm doing a cross crawl, you know, those alternate hands to knees. So it really is about um, practicing the technique within whatever we're doing. It doesn't, or if you choose to just set it aside and do all of them, that's great too, but it really can be woven into what we're already doing. You know, I also practice techniques when I'm on the phone, you know, on hold, standing in line, um, in traffic, you know, anytime where I'm having to wait, you know, is a good time for me to do some energy tapping or the three minute breathing space or soothing the triple warmer if I'm particularly frustrated. So those are all things that I can do. I'm, I'm there anyway, might as well incorporate a little self care. I usually reserve the body scan and the relaxation response for bedtime because, again, that's a soothing kind of a, a technique, a soothing kind of a practice that allows me to kind of move into, you know, the sleepfulness of the evening. You know, and as I mentioned before, you know, the, the tapping in the tapping video, you know, there have been times when I've awakened in the middle of the night feeling really anxious and worried about something in particular that's going on in life at that time. And honest to gosh, the emotional freedom technique, the 14 meridians, eye rolls, humming and counting, those have been a real lifesaver. And I practiced those. I, I learned how to do those by practicing before I get fully out of bed, I'd sit on the side of the bed and go through that process. And pretty soon it's like I had a body memory of that and could do it anywhere, anytime. Yes, all these practices are so amazing and very, very effective. So it means, you know, that we learn the, the techniques slowly and then practicing every chance we get. And we really are looking for opportunities to slip a practice in within, you know, any, any time during the course of the day or, or night. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that's it. So that it really becomes just part of our routine. You know, I, I believe that effective learning can be accomplished in small increments. Um, so it's great if we have 20 or 30 minutes where we can do a lengthier practice or a lengthier meditation. 
But in a pinch, something quick and simple can really do the trick and really anchor us into the technique. So it really becomes ours. Um, and the research says, the studies say that, that doing these kinds of practices, which are, you know, quieting practices, self-care practices, that really the frequency can be as impactful as the duration. So the fact that I'm doing them throughout my day to settle myself, to quiet myself, has a tremendous impact. And as I say, most of the techniques that we have offered are two to four minutes, so I often refer to them as nanos, you know, or nano practices because they're so short and sweet, you know, and, and the other thing to keep in mind is there are a myriad of uh, mundane tasks that we are involved in during the day that can also be elevated to practices. Think about it, you know, I, all I have to do is be totally absorbed in peeling that potato, you know, or washing that dish, or folding that washcloth, really allowing the present moment to, you know, take it in and, and feel the pure awareness of my sensory um, self really in that task, whatever it happens to be. So these are nanos as well. And, and it really addresses that, that issue of the excuse of I don't have time because we're making time. We have these short, sweet practices that can be easily plugged into our regular routine. So any daily task, you know, done with full awareness can become a practice. Yes, I've integrated that a lot into my daily routine. And I have to tell you, it has made a significant difference in my life. Um, this encompasses how we use, you know, the techniques as practices. What else is involved in life as a practice, Dr. Jane? Well, I, and I, I really tend to categorize, you know, all practices, um, certainly the ones that, that we've talked about as either self-care, which are really kind of health and wholeness related, mind, body, spirit related, uh, also uh, awakening and awakening to our best and highest self. So for me, the practices involve all the human dimensions, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational. It's really the, the full kahuna in the true huna sense of the word, which is, is healing the whole person. Healing the whole person. Well, let's look at a few of these human dimensions, as you said, and point out practices that self-care and the awakening to our best self. Well, sure. You know, and this is, it's quite a laundry list. Uh, but if we start with the mental, what we're, what we're talking about is um, mentally being aware of what I'm consuming, whether that be TV, video games, social media, and be willing to take a time out, be willing to, as a practice, really develop a space where I'm not into that kind of consumption and just allow myself to see what that feels like, feel the pulls. It's also about mentally learning to disengage from that autopilot thinking, you know, using those mindful techniques and the awareness skills that we've talked about, being able to watch our thoughts without being fully engaged in the drama or fueling the drama. You know, the other piece mentally that, that, that can be a, a lovely practice is what's known as cognitive restructuring, which is really just kind of reframing the negative take that we might have on a situation or an idea. or And it's also about changing our habits, our beliefs, 
being willing to, to challenge and look at, you know, what is working for me, what doesn't work? Am I willing to take in alternative worldviews, maybe recognize the lenses that I see the world through, that I see myself through, really aren't working for me currently? So that's really kind of a, a piece of the mental that we want to be involved in, in our practices. And moving to emotional, emotional really is about practicing sensing, sensing into our bodies, sensing into um, the emotions and when they occur, where they're located in our body, where they register in our bodies, learning to tolerate and turn toward discomfort so that we can better understand the relationship between those emotional reactions, my thoughts, my feelings, my backstory, really getting to know ourselves on a deeper level. Um, it's also attending to our heart. That's a big piece of our, our emotional practice. And attending to our heart can be, sometimes we just need to cathart, we need to release. You know, crying can be a lovely release. It can be painful, but it can also be a cleansing and a release. You know, and there are also times, honest to gosh, Anna, when we just need to scream our heads off. So it's finding an appropriate place, maybe in our car when we're by ourselves, where we just need to, to vent and, and allowing ourselves to do that. Also learning heart meditations, um, things like the, the heart from the Heart Math Institute or the loving kindness meditation that we've introduced. And, and it's also about practicing self-compassion along with the compassion and empathy that, that we're you know, so good about extending to others. And when we talk about physical practices, the bottom line is movement is healing. You know, so it's get up and move. Listen to the wisdom of the body. Be mindful of the substances and the quantities of substances that we consume. You know, keep the senses clear and clean. That has everything to do with our environment and what we consume. Be mindful of our breathing. You know, really learn how to exhale fully. As I've mentioned before, most of us are reverse breathers. We keep about a half of a tank or three quarters of a tank of stodgy old air in our lungs you know, and never really exhale fully. So focus on the exhale so you can really replenish that oxygen supply. This also aids in the relief of stress because we're triggering the relaxation response that's attached to the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic part in particular. And so it allows us to calm and soothe ourselves. And when we talk about spiritual practices, this is about seek the silence practice gratitude, um, be open to this, the, the innate need that we all have to have meaning and purpose in our lives and, and kind of how we are and what we're doing in this vast universe. It's also about tending to uh, balance and serenity in our lives and seek to know our true self, seek to know our highest self. And also meditation can be enormously spiritual because it allows us to move into the silence, we can really cultivate moments of gratitude and meaning and serenity and truth along with the balance that it offers. And the last practice um, dimension that I, I'd like to talk about is the relational. And this is about what did I learn from my family of origin, the structure and how relationships are 
um, structured, uh, what we get from them, you know, is it helpful? Or do I need to make some changes with that? Because not all of us were brought up in healthy relationships within our families. And it's being able to identify that. Also taking a look at who is my tribe, you know, because sometimes that's my family of origin. Sometimes it's a family of choice, you know, friends and colleagues. The key is who is safe? Um, who do we trust? You know, who is, who do we not trust? And, and who has our best interests at heart? And that's always an, an interesting, interesting uh, dimension in looking at the relationships to really see what the ingredients are. Um, the other piece is owning where we fall short in relationships. You know, what, what do I need to do to improve? And who do I owe amends to? You know, sometimes it's like we tuck those away, you know, or also what grievances do I need to resolve or let go of? What's continuing to keep me a prisoner? And that pretty much sums up the categories of, of practices. It's a lot. It's a, quite a laundry list. <laughs> it, is. it is quite the laundry list. But, you know, the, these capture the scope of being aware and choosing to practice the next right thing. You know, it encompasses every corner of our life. So uh, thank you so much, Dr. Jane. Really, really enjoyed this conversation with you. And I look forward uh, to our next conversation. Thank you, Anna.